0: Hello and welcome, I'm your host Carlos Cruz and I'd like to thank you for joining us on Titan's Law of Success radio show. We're here to help you increase your ability to focus, achieve, and measure success as a leader or manager. We have the pleasure of speaking with one who knows change. Mark Sussnow is passionate about making positive change in your life. He wants your life to become a vibrant, ongoing journey of growth and discovery. Mark is an executive life coach, a life discovery guide author, he earned his Juris Doctor of Law, and is a recognized thought leader. Mark is the author of Dancing on the River, Navigating Life's Changes, and most recently has written Discover the Leader Within. Mark, welcome to the show. We are happy to have you with us today.
1: Well, thank you very much, Carlos. I'm happy to be on the show and looking forward to our conversation.
0: How have things been going with you? I know you've been busy lately. Is there anything special going on?
1: Um... Just always coming up with ideas and, and really listening to what people have to say, especially about what's going on with them and the areas of change and, and leadership and, and um, really look, people looking at their lives. They've, a lot of people have been in a career for a while and they're starting to question their values and, and the meaning of their life. And at uh, same time, they have to make money and put food on the table.
0: I understand how that goes. Have you noticed uh, a lot of uh, career changes going on in this uh, time since the economy changed since the beginning of 2000, 2001?
1: In a way, yes. I mean, there are people. I don't know if they're necessarily changing careers, but they're certainly looking at how they, what they can do, they can do more efficiently. And I think what I see is people start to look at they're they're involved in a career. And they, and all of a sudden, they wake up one day,
0: and they say, "I don't have
1: a life. I'm living someone else's life." That's what people are starting to look at: is, you know, what what do I need to do to feel fulfilled? And people find that it's not something out there; it's something inside.
0: Now, just a couple of things I would like to get a better understanding on, so the audience and everybody's on the same playing field here. How do you? differentiate between leadership development and personal development?
1: Well, that's a good question. And what's interesting is when I made my career change in 2000, I took a year-long leadership training. We had four retreats of six, seven days. And in between, we'd have these phone calls, what were called pod calls. And at the end of the year program, I said to somebody, I said, what's the difference between leadership development and personal development? And he looked at me going, I don't know. And I'm thinking, I don't think there is a difference. So that's the conclusion I came to, is that, is that really leadership is really about how you lead your life. And unless you develop yourself personally, then it's going to show up in the way you lead your life. So personal development, leadership, development are the same thing from my perspective.
0: And how does uh, emotional intelligence tie into this development?
1: part of a personal development is really looking at, is understanding what emotional intelligence is. And it's it's really, I mean, in one way, emotional intelligence is really learning about yourself. And it's also looking at the the, the person that really put emotional intelligence on the map was Daniel Goleman. He, he wrote an article that was published in the Harvard Business Review and also in the, um, he wrote a book, but he, he breaks emotional intelligence into five components, self-awareness, self-management, social skills, empathy, and motivation. And I think what really changed everything was when Harvard did a – and U.S. News World Report – Harvard Business School and U.S. News & World Report did a study, and they noticed that when people started to embrace the softer side of leadership – their measurable business results. And once that I had, that was a game changer when you could, you could equate emotional intelligence, the softer side of leadership to measurable business results.
0: So does this just basically have to deal with how you relate to other people in, the, in your work environment?
1: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely.
0: And with that being said, what kind of trends have you been able to identify within the spectrum?
1: well what is happening is people are uh, now major corporations are starting to look at mindfulness and how they can find more meaning looking at internal practices such as meditation and yoga i know for example google they have meditation classes they have yoga classes and they they they're a very um conscious company and a lot of a lot of silicon valley companies are integrating this into the regular workspace i know at linkedin some of the leaders there in the meditation, and 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 um, I know at um, Salesforce, which is a huge company in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, they have every year they have a a, a a convention that they call Dreamforce, and they had Tony Robbins give a program there a few years ago. Last year they had Colin Powell. So more and more corporations are starting to to look at, at how they can integrate this into their lives. And what's interesting, there, there's an event called Wisdom 2.0, and it integrates technology with spirituality. And what's, and what's interesting, the last conference, they had the head of Ford uh, Motors talking about how he's into meditation. So meditation is starting to become the new corporate edge. And this is what people are embracing because, as I said before, people are starving for meaning in their life. And they're frustrated, and because they they, they, they work hard, and um, sometimes they just feel like it's
0: empty. So let's talk a little bit about uh, principles navigation uh, principles of navigating change. Mm-hmm. As an executive life coach, you help make positive and effective change within people. What is the importance of having someone live from the center? What does that actually mean to an executive or a manager?
1: Okay. So what happens is when you don't, the, the metaphor I, I use is to, to, for that concept is imagine you're driving your car and you don't have any shock absorbers. Every little bump in the road is magnified. Everything's exaggerated because you're out of balance. But when you have your center, the bumps in the road, when you have new shocks and you're in tune with your center, the bumps in the road you don't even notice because you have a smooth ride. So if you're out of balance, when you're out of balance, then you can't see clearly, you can't make good decisions. And, and you, you just, you make mistakes. So the idea is when you live from your center, you tune into your inner essence, then you can, you can be a better decision maker. You can be more spontaneous, you can concentrate better, and, and have more of an equilibrium. But if you're out of balance, then it affects everything in your life and and you you tend to overreact so living from your center is the first principle of navigating change and in what you do how do you get there i think you have to have something in the morning that you do that sets the tone for the day because there's a direct relationship with how you start your day and the tone of the of the day so if you start your day in a hurry
0: you're going to feel
1: all day long like you can't catch up but if you take time in the morning for yourself and to center yourself, then you're gonna find you have a much smoother
0: day. So so you're basically planning your day mentally in a way where you want all everything positive yeah. to happen, to keep the negativity away. And you do that yes. by by your thoughts, because your thoughts project exactly what you're going what kind of day you're gonna have. Yes. And, and how does this tie into having a, a gratitude practice? What are the benefits of that, since you were saying in the morning?
1: Okay. Well, that's a good question. And the gratitude practice is actually the second principle of navigating change. And what gratitude does, is shifts your focus. So rather than focusing on what you don't have and your short com- shortcomings, is to express gratitude for what you do have. Because it's it's a universal principle that what you focus on expands. So if you focus on what's going to go wrong, you're going to find something. If you focus on what's good, you're going to see the good in every situation. So gratitude shifts your focus from what isn't working to what is working. And it's huge because, and it also, what the, there have been a lot of studies now that, at the University of California at Davis that, that when you have a gratitude practice, you actually have less hypertension and less stress.
0: And there's more and more
1: research along these lines. So gratitude helps you reduce stress and helps you be happy because you're focusing on you're focusing on the good rather than focusing on on what you don't like about your life because we all have things in our life that we wish we could change but we can't so rather than focus on wow only if only this was different a lot of people say if only this was different or only if those are the two things everybody says and if we can learn to just get away from that and focus on what we like about our life,
0: then we're going to be a lot
1: happier. And again, when you're happier, you're more, po- you're more optimistic, what do you do? You make better decisions. You're more spontaneous. People like you. They like to be around you because you're, you're, you're sending out a certain vibration.
0: Now, I do agree with you on that. Uh, I think uh, our current society, the environment itself has been conditioned to to teach us nothing but negativity, it's so easy to go to the dark side of things half the times, where if you even try to, I should say, try to accomplish something that that many people will not even try to see, for instance, your, your gratitude practice, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that truly understand what it is that you're trying to teach them and how, how good it is for them just coming up with the positive points of life.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you know what? It It is such a habit that people don't really, yeah, you know, just what you said, people don't understand that because it is so ingrained. The other the other way is so ingrained in them. And so what I do is when I work with people or when I give a talk or program, it, it, it's it's one step at a time and, and it, it, it's repetition because it, it's learning a new habit so that your default position becomes positive rather than negative. So rather than thinking about what's going to go wrong, you're starting to look at, you know, what's going to go right, which is, which is interesting because the third principle in navigating change is curiosity, to be curious. And the way I, I suggest to people in the morning to integrate that into your life is first take some time for quiet reflection, which for me is meditation, but you can just sit still and just sit silently for five minutes, and that's what I suggest for, for people that haven't really done this before. Take five minutes and just sit there and just notice your breath, and then think about all, about all the things in your life that, that you're grateful for. And then I, then to get into curiosity, I ask a question, and that question is I wonder what the highlight of my day is going to be. So, I, so I'm, curious, I'm curious, and I start to think about all the things I have to do. And in the back of my mind, I'm curious, I wonder what the highlight's going to be. And then as I go through my day, I'm starting to think, wow, is this the highlight? So I'm, it puts me into a, again, it creates a positive expectation. So as I go through my day, I have an expectation that there's going to be a good. And my biggest challenge is, what is is to make a decision when I have two or three good choices in terms of what the highlight was. It's a great practice. And everybody that I work with, I get them to do this. And again, it's developing new habits. So you start to change the way you, you think, so you're starting to, to, to see the good. You expect the good. Expect the positive.
0: I think what you just said is highly insightful on levels that are very important to people. One thing I've noticed about a lot of people recently, the last couple of years, is people have become less and less curious. As you you were saying and it's, it's it feels like that they they just want to be fed something that they don't want to think anymore and all they want to do is recite but I think in what you're saying that the curiosity bringing out their curiosity would would increase their their positiveness because that's what totally. the mind's supposed to do the mind is supposed to think
1: not totally. just to recite absolutely
0: so how did you develop how did this program evolve you, because you have this as part of your morning program. What does that really entail?
1: Say So, so yes, how did this program evolve? Yes. Well, you know, I, I've been a meditator for many, many years. And, I, and years ago, I got into affirmations. And I would start to affirm what I wanted in my life, the ideal relationship, uh, my ideal business. And I worked with affirmations for a long time. And... Then something shifted to rather than, than um, thinking about affirmations, I started to express gratitude for what it is I wanted to act to, to act as if it's already happened. So instead of saying I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to have the best year I've ever had in my business, I would say, you know, thank you, for, thank you for my prosperity. And I got into saying thank you and and thank you for 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 my family. Thank you for the love of my life, and so I got into that. And it just felt more natural than an affirmation. So that was that was huge, but I, I didn't really understand the significance of of gratitude until I started doing some research and I saw all these studies at, at, at places like Davis, and there's also a, a, a another another center where they where they get into uh, down near Santa Cruz where they talk a lot about gratitude. So when I started to notice that gratitude was much bigger than I realized, then a light bulb went on. And then in terms of the highlight of the day, that's just something that when I first started my transition into this work in 2000, 2001, you know, I just, I just started, it, it, for a while there was a void. And I go, well, I wonder what the highlight's going to be. And that just evolved in turn, until, until now towards really one of the cornerstones of the work that I do, especially in the morning, is to set that tone. So you're not only are you grateful, you're curious about the good that's going to happen. You're curious about the highlight. And you could even, for example, take that to where you could go to a meeting. Let's say a meeting that you're not looking forward to. It could be an evaluation and, you know, I was a lawyer for many, many years. It could be at a deposition and there'd be lots of situations that potentially are very stressful. But rather than focusing on how stressful it would be, I would start to focus on, I wonder what the highlight's going to be. Or there could be a meeting and I, could, and I, I would ask myself, I wonder who I'm going to have the best connection with. If we, let's say, we're going to a, to a place where we don't know people could be a business meeting and you ask yourself that question you go to this business meeting and you and you say to somebody i wonder who i might have the best connection with and just as a leader in terms of leadership you know you ask that same question i wonder who i'm going to really connect with i wonder who i'm going to align with wonder who i wonder what person is going to be most aligned with how i see things
0: well, if you go along with this line of thinking, if I wonder, you're going to you're going to actually start going out there and you're going to start looking for things that you wouldn't have looked up for before. So, if you like you just said, we're going to a networking meeting. I wonder who I'm going to meet. I think that will force you to go out there and find somebody who will be aligned with what your beliefs are or what what it is that you're looking for. If you didn't, you would just show up there, say hi, and then immediately vacate the premises. We, without even thinking twice about it. So I think what yeah, you have is very more, profound.
1: Yeah, it makes it more into a game. makes it kind of fun. You're, you're curious about, you know, who you're going to connect with. and, and So what happens is, is that you're always going to connect with somebody because before you go to an event and, and you know, you don't know anybody or you do, and maybe they're, they're talking to somebody else. You want to talk to them. They're in the middle of a conversation. And before you know it, the evening's over. And and you're thinking to yourself, God, it was a waste of time. Why did I do this? Why did I go? And um, so, what this does is, is, before you leave, you just feel good because you've connected with somebody. And sometimes that's all there is. There's a connection, but connection is is huge in terms of of the way we live our lives and 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 in the you know world of commerce. How we connect just. And that's really what people want, I think, in, in the business world or let's say with, with employees. They want to feel appreciated. They want to get paid well, but they also want to feel what they want most is to, to be acknowledged and, and, to, and to know they're appreciated. It's what people want most. And when you start to do that with other people, it's amazing how all of a sudden you you're, you're creating this relationship of, of mutuality, where people really want to work with you and help you, but it comes from you. Again, as I said, it's an inside job. Yeah, maybe you have a product that someone loves, and, and that's true. A lot of businesses run that way, but there's a lot of, a lot of times when you're in the process and you, and, and it's everyday stuff. you got to go to the office every day. You're interacting with lots of people. So how can you make that, that experience more rewarding?
0: I do believe that what you talked about on um, on projection, one of the things that by doing this is you're actually setting yourself up with a goal. And I don't think a lot of people would realize that's re- actually what they're doing, saying, well, I wonder who I'm going to I'm gonna meet. Well, now you just set yourself up. Goal number one, meet somebody. Not specific, it's something, but I think that's a really good way to get people to to do goals without having the, the troubles or the weight of de- defining a goal to do for mm-hmm. short term?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, the practice of, 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 you know, being curious, I mean, or uh, one thing I suggest is, because it's important to reach out, is that when I go to, let's say, a grocery store, and everybody at a grocery store that works there has a name tag, and the name tag isn't, Necessarily, to report them if you don't like what they do, it's a way to address them. So, you know, the checker—they have a name tag. You go, hey, Shelley, how's it going? People love that because you're acknowledging them and you're saying their name. Everybody likes their name. I like to hear their name. So it's and, and so yes, in a way, it, it, it's um, it, you're setting up a goal for yourself. Or again, I like to think it in terms of, of curiosity. But let me just talk a little bit about goals and dreams, because the the thing that that people don't get is the real value of goals, the hidden meaning of goals. And what is most important is not whether you accomplish your goal, because what happens when you accomplish your goal? You're done. You what?
0: You're done. You accomplish your goal. You completed your task. Yeah, but
1: That's then it. you set another one.
0: Most people don't.
1: You set another one. You accomplish your goal. You go, great. Hey, I did it. And then a week later, you're setting another one, right? So, but what's more important is who you become in that process. What do you become in that process? So if you want to, let's say you have a sales goal, you look at, well, who did you become in that process, right? You became a more motivated person. You, you had to learn how to have better relationships. You had to learn how to delegate better. You learn, you, you, you learn how to, let's learn to, to evaluate people better. You learned about trust. And it's who you become in the process. That's really what's more important rather than getting the goal because you're always going to have goals. You get one, you're going to have another one. So that's what I, that's what I always say about goals.
0: So let's move a our, our little time scale from the morning calm over to the afternoon where life is a little bit more hectic and becomes chaotic. So uh-huh. we all know how easy it is. Life can get hot, very hectic and chaotic in just a short amount of time. But you spread that out through several hours throughout the day and people start losing control, whether it's of their, their work or their life or it just spirals into something that just crazy that they, they feel that they can't control themselves. So how how would they start to reclaim that?
1: Well, what I do is, what I suggest, again, it, it's the morning program. It, to start, when I talk to people, and, you know, because a, a lot of coaching, I might talk to a lot of people in the beginning once a week, and I go, how's it going? They go, well, I'm really feeling stressed out. I got this deadline coming up, uh, my office person is, is called in sick, and I'm having a, a tough time. Have a a tough time with an employee, and I don't know what to do with them. And this is like stuff that comes up all the time. And so what I say is, have you been doing your morning program? And usually, not all the time, but I bet you 90% of the time when they tell me what's going on and I ask them if they've been doing the morning program, they say no. And so it isn't about what happens in your life because stuff's always going to be there. It's how you handle it. And if, you, and if you're not living in your center, you're not going to hand, handle it well. So part of that is not because of the circumstances. It's because, you know, you're out of balance. And as you know, I was a trial lawyer for o- almost 30 years and so I know about stuff, unexpected stuff, stuff potentially to go wrong or to, or to let's say, something coming up out of left field. And, but when you have a morning program, especially the meditation, it helps prepare you so that whatever comes up, you're connected to your center and you can handle it. Instead of being overwhelmed, you, you listen, you're able to listen, to be present, and then respond in an appropriate way. So that, that sense of feeling overwhelmed is, is not because of what's going on. It's because of our internal state. As I started to say, this whole deal is an inside job. And we have to learn. That's what emotional intelligence is. It's really about how to manage our own emotions. So we under, if we can understand how we react in a certain situation, then we can, we can understand other people, people that we interact with.
0: So this sounds like what you're talking about uh defining moments. And can you please yes. expand a bit about how defining moments will make a difference in one's personal as well as a professional life?
1: Yeah, I th- I think that we've made decisions in our life in the past that have set us up for making better decisions. And so the and I and and I my premise is if you go back to when you are in your 20s, and that's kind of what I do, when I, and I have a chapter on that in Dancing on the River, is that I looked at for myself what my defining moments are, and, I, and I, I explored that. So when I was in law school, I was a smoker. In college, I was a smoker. law school, I was a smoker, and I didn't like myself. So what I did was I said, you know what? I've tri- and I tried to smoke, stop smoking several times. So you know what, I'm going to set up a test. And it, and I'm going to stop smoking the night before I take the bar. So that was a test I set up. Because I said, if I can do that, then my sense of personal power is going to be huge. Then I can do anything I set my mind to. So I set that test up. and it, and, and, I, and it turns out I took the bar, had to wait three months to get my results. And um, found out I failed. I had to take it again. And never had a cigarette after that. And what that did, that was the defining moment of, of, of really ch- checking in with my personal power. So I realized that I, had more, that I had more personal power there than I had before. But that set me up. So when I was a young lawyer, my, and you're talking about life being out of control, my life was out of control. And and it was then that I got into meditation. And what the meditation taught me was how when you take positive action, not just getting rid of something like I did with smoking or, let's say, changing your diet, but when I did something positive, when when I was proactive about integrating a practice into my life, the benefits of that. And that took discipline also and willpower. So that was my next step, and then the third one I talk about is which is crucial is that my after a few years of practicing law, I had arranged to go on a trip with my girlfriend in Greece, and um, I had a new client that wanted me to change my plans so he could so so his case would be resolved sooner, and I felt strategically it would be better if we waited on the case, and plus, I already had this trip planned out. And he told me that if I didn't change my plans, he'd get another lawyer. So I I debated because, you know, in those days I was struggling financially. And so I went ahead and just said, you know what? You got to do what you have to do. I'm going on the trip. And, um, And so when I came back, he had gotten another lawyer, but there were three new clients waiting for me. And what this showed me was at a young age, What's the value of having a personal life independent of, of a professional life. So that we had to be, you know, Mark or Carlos and not identified by a profession. And that, that's really what that defining moment taught me is how important it is to have a life outside your profession, to have other interests, things that interest you that you spend time to, that you're committed to other than your work. And a lot of people get lost in their work and they lose sight of that. So I think most people have defining moments if they look at their lives years ago and start to look at some of the major decisions in their in their in your life and look at what did that what did that teach you.
0: So let's talk about defining moments in reference to a, a person's vision and planning. So how are we able to get dreams and goals to work for us?
1: How do we get them to work for us?
0: Yeah, how do we get dreams and goals to work for us?
1: Well, what I like to do is to, again, is to have your goal, and I integrate it into the gratitude practice. So give me an example of a goal you have.
0: Uh, to write a book.
1: Write a book, okay. So what I would do in my, in my uh, gratitude practice is, as I would say, I'm grateful for my, my writing skills. I'm grateful for all the people that have helped me become a better writer. And that's how I would start to integrate that in, is to start to use gratitude to look at those skills to the qualities that you need. so to to write a book, you need you need to be a better writer, you need to be disciplined. So I would say, you know i'm I'm grateful for my discipline. I'm grateful for my motivation and and I'm grateful for my dedication. So so you start to take your goal but you but start to look at what does it take to achieve that goal. And that's where you can use your gratitude practice. And what happens is you is you start to do this over time, you start to become this person that is writing a book. And of course, you know, you visualize. I use visualization a lot. So I I would imagine, and it's what I did when I wrote my book, I imagined having a book signing and what it would feel like to have a book signing. And I imagined where I wanted to have the book signing. And so that was big. So I started to imagine the result I wanted. And when you start, that's where I mentioned before, I initially worked with affirmations. But when you visualize and then use your imagination, then you can start to help manifest these things you really want so i would i would let's say here as you get into a deep place of silence start to imagine a book signing start to imagine uh having a publicist somebody seeing an article about you being interviewed on the radio so so that's kind of what i did you know you start to use your imagination and, and, and to, to really imagine how what you want to occur. So you work with your gratitude and you use your imagination because imagination is, runs our life in either a positive or negative way because when we worry, when we worry that's our imagination, right, imagining the worst-case scenario. And I always use an acronym for worry, uh, I mean for fear f-e-a-r false evidence appearing real because that's all it is it's our it's our mind imagining worst case scenario and i always say to people when they worry is, is is you know what's when they're worried what's the likelihood of that happening what you're worried about and most people say well not not great and and so you get people to get out of the irrational mode and then i ask a question is what what would it be like for you if everything works out better than you expected? So to start to change, start to get people to imagine what what it would be like this particular thing they're concerned about if it works out better than expected. And all of a sudden you're starting, you're starting to think about that. Well, what if it, what if it really turns out to get my best case scenario here? So that's really what we want to do. We want to, we want to, again change our thinking so that we bring a more positive mindset to the table.
0: So let's go ahead and tie all this with, with the common theme that I'm picking up here. And that has to basically deal with your word, whether it's to yourself or to somebody else. But how is it that you can, as an individual, ensure that your word is impeccable? Okay.
1: Well, what I, what I look at is, is I look at, at keeping your word on three levels. First level is when you make an agreement with somebody else and that's what you have to do to, to be playing the game. You have to like keep your word to let's say a third person. So for example, our appointment tonight, right? We keep our word. Most, most of the people that are listening, you know, in our arena, listening to let's say your show are people that are going to keep their word. They're going to keep their appointments. And they're gonna, whatever it is, if they have a
0: a business meeting,
1: they're gonna keep that. If they have a, 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 whatever it is, they're gonna keep their word. That's what I call the uh, basic level of keeping your keeping your word to a third person. The next level, the next level, is keeping your word to yourself. So you say to yourself, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the gym three times a week. And what happens then? is is there's not the accountability to the third person so people don't do as well when they're keeping their word to themselves and what I suggest is when you can be impeccable and keep your word to yourself so if you say I'm going to go to the gym three times this week and you do it imagine the power the personal power that you would develop if you say that and what happens is after a while you get to the, third, to the next level of impeccability where your word becomes law. If you say you're going to do something, it happens. So imagine if every time you said, I'm going to go to the gym three times, you do it. There's no question you would do it. First of all, you get rid of this, this, this wasted conversation, do I want to do it? You've made the commitment. So once you make the commitment, your word is impeccable. But you have to keep it. And, and so you start out with little things. That you know you're going to do. So
0: before we let you go, we want to go ahead and plant a seed, Mark. So aside from your newsletter on your website, what is one thing you can leave our community uh, to help them get the most out of themselves as well as others?
1: I, I mean, a couple of things. One is, one is that you, you need to take time every day for, for reflection before you do anything else, even if it's just five minutes. And the other thing I would say is don't be so hard on yourself. Cut yourself some slack. You know, do the best you can, but work at it. But if you have a bad day, don't beat yourself up because we all do that. And it's just, it's just, it's not very much fun.
0: Are people able to do their morning uh, affirmations in a group or do you recommend that they do it individual?
1: Well, I, I, what, I, what I think is good is, is do it individually because then you don't depend on a group to get it done. Or somebody says, I'm going to do it with my significant other. And then what happens is if they not, decide they don't want to do it, then you don't do it. You use that as an excuse. But I think to go to groups, let's say uh, every so often, it really kind of is like getting a booster shot. It really deepens your experience. So, for example, if people are in the meditation, it's good to go to a meditation center and to meditate in a group because it helps deepen your experience. But you have to have that personal practice. You have to do that on your own. Otherwise, if you are looking for the perfect situation to do it, you're not going to get it done.
0: And where can people find more information about you and what it is that you do on how to help Well,
1: them? people... People can contact me through my website at inspirepossibility.com. And uh, people are interested in, in getting on the positive side of change. I give them an opportunity to talk to me on the phone, and we, you know, it's complimentary, and we really evaluate whether what I do can make a difference in their life. So they, again, they can they can just go to my website at inspirepossibility.com and contact me through my website.
0: do you do group coaching as well as one-on-one?
1: If if, if people want me to do a group and they have it set up, I'm glad to do that. But I don't necessarily organize it myself to do group coaching. And then I also give talks to organizations on getting on the positive side of change or on how leaders can get on the positive side of change. And that is when companies would would, uh, hire me individually. The company will hire me. And I'll talk to, uh, let's say, a certain segment of their management team or their executive team. And, and we'll, we'll really get in more depth on these eight principles and, and start to really look at how people can expand their emotional intelligence and also develop their communication skills.
0: That's perfect. Mark, on behalf of everyone, we'd like to thank you for being on the show, and we look forward to having you on again.
1: Thank you very much, Carlos. It was my pleasure.
0: If you have any questions or comments about this episode or a guest, you can visit inspirepossibility.com, or you can leave us a voice message and we'll play relevant feedback or comments on our next episode. Don't forget, you can also follow our community on Twitter by following Titans Laws. Thank you for being with us and we always look forward to having you as part of the conversation.